Psalm 73 uh, begins this way. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, and my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. That's supposed to be a good thing. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens. Their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places, you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Dream when one wakes, O Lord. When you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in, my, in, in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You're, you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You shall put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me it is good to be near God. For I have made the Lord my refuge, that I may tell all your works. The grass withers and the flower fades. The scripture says the word of the Lord endures forever. I think of this psalm as a, uh, as a psalm for, for life at FSU. Um, I'm not saying that I think Asaph had particularly Tallahassee in mind as he was writing this. It uh, certainly applies to other places. Um, I think God knew as he authored it that it very much would apply uh, here. Um, and I've been doing campus ministry here for maybe some, some seven years. And, and I'll tell you, I've watched uh, student after student after student struggle uh, in the, the exact same type of way that this psalm is described. Uh, going through uh, these difficulties. Uh, there's students, uh, several students that I can remember uh, Opening up Psalm 73 with, and saying, "Here, I want you to, I want you to read this. I think what you're going through, you'll find that, that God understands that. In fact, that He's talked about it. 
Um, but he's giving you something to be able to express, even that place of, of count and struggle that you're in before him, the way that deals with it. The Spirit understands the dilemma that you're in and is giving you something to help uh, in it. And, and from that place of that struggle, you can be honest with God. Um, you can pray. He's inspired in this psalm to help us express that confusion and to deal with it. Um, most of us at one point or another can relate to the psalmist's uh, struggle, if you can hear what he's saying here. And before he gets into all the, the details of it, even in just the opening two verses, he's, he's giving you the overview. Um, truly, God is good to Israel. He's good to his people, those who are pure in heart. But as for, as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. Uh, my steps had nearly slipped. Right, he, he's known a certain truth about God, and, and he believes it. He's rejecting that. He, he believes that, that truth of God's goodness here, but it just doesn't seem true. Right now, looking around, maybe looking around campus, looking around his life, doesn't seem true. But what God said, it, it doesn't seem to fit uh, with his experience. Right, God's made promises to be good to his people, to be good to, to those who are pure in heart, but but as for me, I don't know. I don't see it. Maybe I don't fit in. Um, maybe it's not promises that are for me. Maybe it doesn't apply to me. Um, talks about his, his feet. Uh, I'd almost stumbled. I right? walk across campus sometimes. Uh, at least I walk across campus sometimes and end up feeling like an idiot. Right? Walking along and then... I, I don't know how it happens. I think my sandals are, are good to wear around campus, but I, and there's not even a rock there, right? But I'm walking along, and then something happens, and I'm just like falling over, um, stumbling, um, and maybe no one notices, but I feel like everyone at that point, you know, notices exactly what I'm going. I'm looking back, like, oh, there was, you know, something. That, you felt that point where you're where you're hitting something that you didn't expect for it to be there, and your body's now doing things that you have to regain control of. All right. Um, He's describing his experience here. Or uh, earlier this semester, someone went out to Terea, walked along the uh, walk along the river uh, out there. And those, those places they're a little bit slippery, right? And you feel like you're walking along fine, and then all of a sudden that foot is slipping toward the water, and you're, you you can feel yourself about to be going down. And you, know, you can still see stains on some of my clothes, probably from uh, from that experience. <laughs> um, so so what about when you feel yourself? Stumbling spiritually. What about when you feel yourself uh, slotting away from God? That's the experience that the psalmist is describing. Uh, what do you feel when you when you feel yourself slotting away from God? What do you do? Whether that's in terms of a, some kind of stumbling of, of moral actions or moral failures or of things that you've done. Uh, maybe that's in terms of beliefs that are being challenged. Um, that you don't really have a, a, a ground. You don't know how to how to answer them. Um, maybe it's in terms of a spiritual pursuit of God that's, that's absent or, or lacking. It's just still there. Um, there's a lot of things in the Psalms, a lot of great expressions, uh, uh, the, the, the structure of it, but the power of this Psalm, I think, is really in its honesty. And that it speaks about things that we, that we usually speak about. I don't feel like it's okay for us to speak about it. It speaks about things that we tend to cover up. I think it's here for us to learn that we can be honest in prayer, um, that we can be 
honest about things that we think we should never mention to God, about places we should feel like we should never be uh, spiritually. <clears throat> um, it's honest uh, even about how we're skeptical. It's honest about how we distrust God. Right? Tr- truly, God's said to Israel, as for me, it all seemed insane he goes on. Uh, it's honest about doubts, honest even about our desire for disobedience as we look around. Do you realize that you can be honest uh, before God, that you can be honest before God in your struggle, um, in your distrust, in your doubt, in it being honest before God from that place of, uh, of falling, of stumbling, that it's good. That God actually wants you to. That he's given the psalm to help you in that place of stumbling and slipping. As we go beyond just those first uh, two verses, as he sets the, the overall view of the psalm, he tells us a little bit more what that struggle is. Um, and we see the psalmist, uh, and it's honestly, he's, he's honestly wishing that he could be the wicked. Right? He's honestly looking around wishing that he was like the wicked. That's not supposed to be in the Bible. Right? That kind of attitude, that kind of, that, that shouldn't be in the Bible. You're not supposed to say that. You're definitely not supposed to, to want to do that. But he does. He does want to be wicked. And so he says it to God. Um, it's something for us. Warn you, like we shouldn't pretend for a minute uh, that we that we haven't wanted to be like the wicked too. We have a desire that disobedience. Um, listen, I think it's fascinating. He's he's equally honest about about two things, right? Uh, about how bad, uh, how wrong the things are that the people he's watching are, are doing, and how desirable it is to him. Right? He doesn't he doesn't kind of try to color it to make it seem like. I want it, but it's actually really good. He, he talks about it as being ugly and wrong, evil, wicked. He uses, we don't talk about wicked. We don't want to say something's wicked. He says it's wicked, and that's what he wants, right? Uh, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He doesn't say I was envious of prosperity, that I wanted to find some other kind of way to get uh, luxury or, which, or, or riches. Um, he says he is envious of the arrogant, I knew how wrong it was. I wanted it anyway. Uh, it still seemed better to me. We can relate to that. You see some of the words as he describes them there. He uh, speaks of uh, verse 6. Uh, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. I'm not trying to make them look pretty. The violence covers them uh, like a garment. They scoff at others. They speak with malice. It's evil, right? From, from some kind of high place of control, they threaten oppression. Don't, don't get in my way. I can, I can ruin your life. Maybe they can. Uh, keep people in poverty. Keep people hurting. Uh, blasphemy comes from their uh, lips, setting their mouths against heaven. Right? He speaks of how ugly it is, but still he's envious. Wishes he could be like them. That's what I want to... What I want to be, right? It's kind of like a gangster phenomenon or something, right? Because the gangster's proud and powerful. He's bad. He's bad as it, man. He gets a lot of respect, right? Uh, and he does whatever he wants. 
has whatever he wants, um, even if maybe it came through murder or oppression. I still, I just want to be like him. Uh, and, and kids that grow up in that environment, they, they, they want to be the next gangster. But, but, a, but a Christian, right, a Christian should never want that. Um, but they do. And Thomas does. Envious of the arrogant, he says. Um, particularly, I think it's difficult because everything seems upside down. It, He's looking at the world and it's this way and he, he, wants, what, he wants to be like the wicked, but, but it's frustrating to him because everything's not the way it's supposed to be. It even seems exactly contrary to other things of what, what Scripture has said, right? If you, if you look at the Psalms, if you read the Psalms, maybe you start, you kind of plop down wherever you want in the Psalms, but you start off, if you look at Psalm 1, kind of a, kind of a very different picture. Um, Psalm 1 is contrasting the, the righteous and the wicked, Right? Um, but the, the one who follows God is righteous, and it says, in, in all that he does, he prospers. And that's Psalm 1. The, the righteous is the one, in all he does, he prospers. You know what the next uh, uh, phrase after that is? The wicked are not so. They're like, they're like chaff. They're, they're like worthless things that the wind just drives away. Um, uh, the way the wicked will perish. And he's got maybe someone in his mind and, and looking around and going, hmm, who, who's prosperous? Not the righteous, it's, it's the wicked, right? The, book three of the Psalms, everything's very different than book one uh, of, the, of the Psalms as you have it here. It seems upside down. It's all, it, it, it's all, it's all backwards. Uh, it's the opposite thing that's true is he looks at the world around him It's the wicked, the prosper. They're the one that increase in, in the riches. They're luxurious. They don't have any worries, he says, until death. Right? Um, their bodies are flat, uh, fat and sleek. I know that's what all of you are, are aiming at there. They have whatever they want. Um, they, they have a life of luxury. Um, we would put it in our context, their bodies are lean because they can eat whatever they want and have time to go to the gym and work out for four hours every day with a personal trainer and, and nutritionist or, or whatever. Um, they have whatever they want. They're not struggle the way others are. They're not stricken like the rest of, of mankind. Um, you know the word that's actually used there with the, I saw the prosperity of the wicked? Uh, the word there is shalom. Right? Peace. Um, shalom. Uh, and typically the way we use this to talk about a shalom is not just like the absence of war, it's complete harmony. Um, shalom. It's, oftentimes we'll talk about it as this is the peace of God. Right? Who does it belong to as he looks around? He doesn't have it. The wicked, the arrogant, um, they, they've got shalom. They've got harmony. The peace of God seems to belong to them. Look at what he says in verse 12. He's like, I don't care what, what you may have seen. Behold, look, these are the wicked. Always at ease. Increasing in riches. They're the ones that have it made. Look around. They're the ones that have it made. It looks like maybe God was wrong. He's got the stuff in Psalm 1, other stuff that goes along with this, but that's not what he sees. Maybe, maybe God was wrong. He feels upside down. How does he feel about his own religious actions? Right? Look at the verses 13 and 15. He starts to talk about himself a little bit. All in vain. All in vain. All in vain I've kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. It's pointless. 
I've been trying to do the right thing, but it's been a waste of time. A waste of time and energy. It's gotten me nowhere. Let's look further. Actually, I'll tell you where it's gotten me. I'm worse off because of it. Um, all the day long, I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. Because I'm not like the wicked. I want to be like what I'm trying to do this other way, and it's, it's not working out for me very well. Um, I'm getting the short end of the stick all the way around. He's honestly wishing to be wicked. Can you see it? Envious of the arrogant. And I'm trying to be a Christian as being in vain. He's honestly wishing to be wicked. Um, maybe you can relate to it sometimes. Uh, maybe sometimes when you're trying to follow God in college, it doesn't feel like it's brought shalom to you. Right? God, I'm going to try to be here. I'm going to go to church, go to, go to RUF, do Christian, Christian things, but you're looking for God to give you the blessing you know, from that. And then you don't get the grades that you were hoping that you uh, would get, that you work diligently for, you know, doing, all the, doing all the right things. Um, maybe you haven't found the, the right match for you and another person, even though you've been trying to keep yourself pure or, or whatever. Um, haven't had the friends that you wanted to enjoy hanging out with. And like, all the trying to, be, uh, trying to be Christian has just made you the odd man out. Um, has, has lost you way more friends than, it, than, than you came from it. You feel deprived from the fun that everyone else is having. Maybe college hasn't been the, the joy ride that you hoped it would, or this year, this semester hasn't been. I mean, look around. Who seems to be having the most fun on this campus? Because it's a pretty fun campus. Uh, people have a lot of fun at Florida State. There's a lot of fun to be had. Who, look around. Who's having the most fun here? Who's, who's making the most out of things for their, uh, for their college experience? Right, we, we don't usually work, use the word wicked to describe most anybody, uh, right? The, the Psalms using it as those who are not following God. That's it. It describes them just generally as wicked. Sometimes it's us. Apart from Christ, it's us. Um, those who are not following God, um, they're having a great time here. Really. They may be having a much better time than you. I don't know. Um, lots of friends inviting them to lots of places where they feel very comfortable going. Maybe they don't. They get used to it after a little while. Um, there's a lot more parties where you can drink than parties where you can't drink. Um, and people say they have a lot more fun there. Uh, a lot of hooking up. Why? Why keep like trying to wait for that right person to be there for you and your girl like waiting for that guy to actually pursue you and they're all just sitting there not doing anything anyway. <coughs> Whatever. Um, guys, like, why? And there's a lot of, lot of fine women walking around uh, the campus. Um, why, why are you just kind of closing out the circles of who you're hanging out with and, and what you're doing? Um, right, is the way he, he looks at it. I'm envious of the arrogant, envious of the wicked. Um, who's going on campus? It, and you notice how he felt like he couldn't even say what he thought? I know y'all feel this way. Um, I feel this way sometimes. I've talked to a ton of students who exactly as well. So, so I'm going to kind of find out whether they feel this way or not because they don't want to tell me either. Look, look at um, verse 15, right? If I said I'll speak thus, if I tell you this stuff that I'm thinking right now, if I tell you the way that I, if it looks to me like the world's working, that the wicked prosper, the wicked, that shalom belongs to them, um, and, and the righteous is not so good for, if I, if I t- said what I really think about all this, um, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Uh, he, he didn't want to destroy the faith for, for other people. 
it seems to him like it really doesn't make sense. Like, oh, maybe this is a crutch. Uh, maybe it's for people that just aren't comfortable enough getting out there and having fun or feel like they need some kind of standard they're good enough by or haven't looked in their beliefs enough to see that there's not a real foundation there um, or, or feel like they still need to have some way to condemn others. And, and you know what, if they still believe it, I don't, I don't want to mess it up for them. If I'd, said what I re- if I'd said the things the way that I see them, I would have, um, I would have betrayed the generation of your children, raising the doubt, right? And so I think we feel like we can't go to God with it either. I'm afraid if I say it to other people, it's, it's going to bring them into doubt. But Does that mean we can't talk to God about it? But, but wait, we're reading it in a psalm, right? Um, apparently, apparently we can. Um, we're afraid we're going to mess things up for God. God's perfect view of himself is going to be, you know, like, uh, like he's going to be surprised by something that you're noticing. That he, oh, What? The world's working? How? I didn't, that's not what I meant. Um, or maybe we think he's going to be mad at us for, for noticing or for saying something about it. I mean, do we think that he would rather us pretend um, that it doesn't make us stumble? Pretend that we're not, not slipping. When we feel ourselves slipping away to honestly come before God saying that we wish that we were the wicked. But what's going on? That's the first point, honestly, wishing to be wicked, but there's a, there's a transition, right, in the middle part of the psalm, verses 16 and 17. Um, I think we see the, see the psalmist speaking in a way honest again, but, but honestly weary toward worship. Uh, he's honestly weary toward worship. There's a, there's a complete 180 in the psalm. It comes around uh, these verses. It comes around worship. He says, until I went into the sanctuary. Until worship, until meeting, uh, meeting God. Um, <clears throat> now, but at the same time, he says it's not an easy transition for him. And honestly, in fact, it seemed wearisome. It seemed to me a wearisome task, he said, to understand it. Uh, but the psalmist is honestly weary toward worship. In some ways, it's like he's caught in a stalemate, um, caught in a standstill. He's not willing to go all the way there yet and just be like the wicked. He's still saying, you know... Truly, God's good to Israel, but I'm not sure that I believe it, but I'm not rejecting that yet. Um, he's not ready to just renounce God and become like the wicked, but he's still left in a place of doubt. Um, still a lot of distrust uh, for God, trying to understand how any of this could make sense, Psalm 1 and Psalm 70, and what he's actually experiencing the other way, um, how to put those together, just seems wearisome. And I don't want to deal with it anymore. Listen, some people can get stuck here for a long time. Uh, and eventually it wears away uh, at the foundations. Questions uh, that are unanswered, um, questions of unanswered doubt that just begin to eat away at whatever beliefs were there. Um, sometimes that desire overwhelms and, and slide down appealing enough to, to take. Um, it's a frustrating uh, state of existence and it's, and it's hard to answer. God doesn't deny it. Uh, he's clear about it in Scripture. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not simply the righteous get good and the, and the wicked get bad. It's not like a children's book with kind of a clear moral lesson or all the bad ca- characters are, are, are dressed in dark clothes and really, really ugly, right? Um, it's not the way the world is. Um, but the, the answer to it comes according to Scripture and worship. 
thought I had to understand it. It seemed a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Um, sometimes worship feels like the, the last thing uh, that you would want, right? When you when you doubt and distrust God and you feel like He's unreliable, go to worship, right? And it's not what you want. When when you know that you desire disobedience and you still kind of feel guilty for that, why would you ever go to God? I yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's just just a little bit harder to read my Bible lately. Okay, all the time. I don't find myself praying that much anymore. I haven't been to, been to church that much now that you ask, but um, you know, I've been out of town. I had a study group that day. I didn't have a ride. Uh, I've been out late. It happens in the morning. <laughs> why does church happen in the morning at some place? Just right when you're in college. It doesn't make sense. Uh, why would you ever go? We, we end up having like all these different excuses. I'm talking about excuses, whatever, but, but it seems like we're not... It's a weird thing to It's the last thing that we'd want to do. Still, it's, the, it's into the sanctuary that the psalmist went. The psalmist leading us there for us to understand, okay, here's what happens to him. He goes in the sanctuary, and, and what, what happens? It was until he went to the sanctuary. Um, if you can realize that you can be honest with God in your struggle, listen, go make your complaint to him. Uh, the psalms are full with these individual lament psalms, with complaints uh, before God for, for what we're experiencing. Express your doubt. Express your lack of trust out of God. Express to him your desire to do wrong. Listen, he's not, he's not surprised about it, right? Um, trust him in your distrust. You know him saying, I don't know that I can lean on you. Um, psalmist psalmist doesn't mention all that he might have prayed. It doesn't go into describing all the, you know, the prayer that he prayed in that place. See, other, other places in scriptures maybe would be some of those types of things. It simply highlights the sanctuary. Why? Because it's the presence of God that made all the difference. By trying to figure it all out, wouldn't cut it. Putting the different things together is it, worship. Um, worship is us meeting with God and God uh, meeting with, with us. And somehow we have a different perspective on things when we can meet with God. That's uh, what you see with the psalmist. So even when you're honestly weary and have really little or no desire to, to go to God when you're seeing the way that the world goes, don't hold yourself back from the presence of God. He invites you to come. He invites you to come through the blood of His Son. He wants to answer. He wants to provide for you. Calls you into His presence, even in all the doubt and distrust. Even when we're honestly weary toward worship. But, but with that transition, it goes to the second half of the psalm, and it's a, a whole different ballgame, it feels like. Um, every, everything's changed. The change in the perspective of the second half is just dramatic. Um, he's honestly wowed with God. He's just been weary about even going to, even trying to deal with the, the issues. He wants to be wicked. And now, as he describes it, he, he's honestly wowed uh, with God. His perspective on everything changes. His view of the wicked, his view of himself, his view of God, as you see him talk about it. All because he's wowed with God. Having met with God, now he trusts him. Um, he's seen that God's better and more amazing than he'd understood. Um, this, this wow comes to most especially through the gospel. The re, you get to see the reality of sin, how far off we are from God, and His holiness above us, and yet at the same time the reality of His love. 
His forgiveness. His mercy that overwhelms us in sin. Uh, it's, a, it's a well that it has its fullness at, as Jesus as the revelation of God. Revelation of God beyond our comprehension as a God who reaches out to us in our sin and loves us. Uh, who covers over our sin to bring us into his presence. When we didn't have it together. When we didn't trust him at all. Um, provide for us despite our unworthiness. Even, even the cost of his own son. Uh, to assure us of his love and his promises beyond just what our limited sight can see. Honestly, wow, with God, his perspective changes. His, his view of the wicked, right, as he describes, as you see in the second half, is very different. The, the prosperity that he's seen doesn't last. Um, it, it looks good for a time, but it's only temporary. It's, it's a dream. It's like a dream of shalom. But you can wake up from it. Um, it's scary the way uh, he describes it here. Like a dream when one awakes, oh Lord, when you rouse yourself. Because God's actually king over all of it as a righteous judge, and he's, he's not okay with wickedness. Um, he's a God uh, that punishes it, uh, that, punishes, uh, that punishes the wicked. Um, it's a dream of shalom. Though, though it seems otherwise, God's righteous and will punish sin, right? Um, how does Jesus talk about the gospel? When Jesus is preaching the gospel, what does he say? Just repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Uh, he calls people out of their sin to himself, recognizing the sinfulness of what's deserved as God's punishment. The gospel comes in that understanding of God being one who punishes the wicked, but that's not all he does. He's offered a way of hope. The wicked don't need to stay wicked and perish. Um, there's hope through Jesus being punished as, as one who, not wicked, but in the place of, of us as wicked. Of all who would come, all the wicked who would come uh, to Jesus. Uh, there's hope uh, for us. So, so look back at the campus. Maybe look back at times in your life. Look at where you are now. Um, look at those that you envied. Let your heart break. Oh, that, that the gospel would be something that they would hear. I pray for them and, and speak to, him, to them. This is the truth of how he describes the, the end of the wicked. The, his view of himself also changes, right? Um, before it was all in vain if I tried to do, do well. Um, now he describes himself as con- confession. He's honestly admitting the wrong attitude. He describes himself very differently. In verse 21 and 22, he says, My soul was embittered. It was earlier. When I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast. Ouch, like, when you describe yourself like that, right? I'm just probably been true. Yeah, I don't want to ad- admit that. Um, not just describing himself. He's describing me, dude. He's describing you. Bitter because we wanted something and we hadn't received it from God yet. I'm just going to be like, like, like whatever else out there that seems to, seems to work for. Um, but in the sanctuary, um, meeting with God, seeing who God is, we can confess. Um, because we're speaking to a God who shows mercy and love and forgiveness. In uh, Jesus, who is the fullness of grace, who removes our sin and, and covers us in his obedience, you know, we've got the freedom to come admitting, I was like a beast. I didn't get it before I was with you. Suddenly we can be willing to look at ourselves, see sin, and admit it. Uh, even his view of God changes. Right back in 11 and 12, it's, it's how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? 
all this is going on, but God doesn't seem to, to know about it, or he seems either ignorant or, or inactive. Um, now, very different things. Um, Lord God, my refuge, right? Whom I have, have I in heaven but you? He thought that he wanted riches. Psalms, as he described himself, he thought he wanted riches, he wanted wealth, he wanted luxury, he wanted respect, he wanted power, he wanted peace, he wanted all the things that the wicked had, right? He wanted a fun college experience, he wanted a lot of friends, he wanted good grades, he wanted the, uh, the right person with him, he wanted other people to be encouraging him, he wanted to have the job lined up for after graduation, he wanted to be driving, uh, driving the, the cool car, he wanted to have, um, wanted to have every, everything the way that, that, he, that he wanted it set. Was better. He went to the sanctuary and everything changed. And what did he want? Was his view of God now? He found that he actually wanted God, um, and that God was more than all those things. Uh, that the fullness of the reality of peace isn't what the wicked were experiencing. It's God Himself. As he in a relationship with him, he's more amazed that God find, find what he wanted from riches and wealth and luxury and power and respect or whatever, uh, finds that in God. He's more amazed at God. At God's grace, right? He's like, nevertheless, I was like a beast, but nevertheless, where am I? I'm continually with you. It's God's grace. doesn't leave him there. That's what he say. You're holding my right hand. I'm like, let me go over here. You're holding my right hand, keeping me in your presence, not letting go of me, pulling me back in. Um, God in Christ is everything that he wants. You guide me with the counsel. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth I desire beside you. His wish has changed. He's well with God. He wishes to be with God. Now listen, it doesn't always feel this way. Right? Hence the whole first half of the psalm. Uh, but the psalmist is honest. Maybe you can trust him for a little bit. Maybe you can trust him a little bit on the second half of the psalm because he's honest with you on the first half of the psalm. He's honest from the start with doubt and he's honest in the, in the, in the second half of it to finish talking about delight. He gives us a window to see through to the other side. Um, we find that window uh, in the sanctuary. On that window to see through to the other side, to get through to the other side, in God's presence. That's when we only find it through Jesus that we come to God, only through Him. Then you see the way He, he ends it, uh, the conclusion, the last couple verses. Um, you can even describe it as a simple statement of the gospel in some senses. Looking forward to Christ. What does he see now? He started off, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. My steps had nearly, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Uh, but now, it says, behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it's good to be near God. I've made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell all of your works. Is a different truth uh, by the end of it. And he confesses the gospel. He confesses that there's punishment for the wicked, but there's a way of salvation. A way of salvation that's only in Christ. How uh, the God in his grace had brought him to that. But he wants to tell of God's wondrous works, right? To tell of all his awesome deeds that God has done, what he's experienced and how it can go for others. Um, 
I, I, really, I really do. I think this is a solemn uh, for FSU. I think it's a struggle constantly here. Uh, I, I think through student after student that I've opened this song with and talked to them about. Um, some that's been helpful for them to see that window and walk through it, and others are, are still, still there in it. Um, listen, it's a struggle that you can go through, and God knows that. I come to Him honestly. Come to Him honestly in doubt. Um, come to Him when you're honestly wanting to be wicked. You have a desire to disobey. Uh, come to Him when it just seems like a weary thing to even have to... Worship, to go to, go to church, to sing, to be in his presence, to open your Bible, to pray, um, but come to him. If you come, you can find your portion in him forever. See the contentment that, is, that the psalmist uh, describes that we long for. Um, <clears throat> my heart and flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. He's my portion forever. He's satisfied. Honestly, I wowed with God, satisfied through Christ and the gospel, being accepted, brought out of that doubt, and brought into God's presence. As a sinner, I saved by grace. 